0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. Welcome. Glad that you're here. We're in a series, meaning we take a topic and pick about it, talk about it for a few weeks. And this one is called Family Matters. And today's topic is something that I think will be beneficial to everyone. It's called How Do I Resolve Conflict? I'm going to frame it inside the marriage relationship, but uh, principles work in all the relationships. So, Conflict. Can you avoid it? Sometimes, but in reality, it's inevitable. Eventually, two people that spend time together, whether it's at work, school, marriage, family, whatever it might be, we're different, we have different ideas, different opinions, and eventually we're going to clash, we're going to have conflict. So my question would be, is conflict always bad? And I'm going to build a case for the fact that it's not always bad. Uh, those issues that we uh, have differences about, we need to resolve those. And if we resolve those in a constructive, positive way, a healthy way, uh, the relationship can be better uh, or stronger. Let's back up a little bit. Why do we have conflict? Good question. Glad you asked. In fact, uh, we're going to read something this morning where a guy by the name of James, who is half-brother Jesus, which is fascinating because he n- didn't seem to believe in Jesus during Jesus' lifetime. But after the resurrection, uh, the life-changing event, the resurrection of Jesus, he became not only a Jesus follower, but a leader in the church. And we actually have something that he wrote. We call it the book of James. And in chapter 4, he's going to start by asking this uh, question. The question is, what is the reason for conflict? What is the reason for conflict? So we're going to start in James chapter 4, verse 1. I'm using a different translation today. I just came across this one. I like it. You can give me some feedback on what you think. Uh, It's called the Passion Translation. It's not full Bible, but full New Testament and some of the Old Testament. So James chapter 4, he starts with a question. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? So why do we have quarrels? Why do we have conflict? Good question. And he's going to give us an answer that we may be a little uncomfortable with. Because most of the time we think it's their problem. So what does he say? Where does the problem start? Doesn't the battle, the conflict begin inside of you? It's not about them, it's about you. As you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires. I guess if you didn't have any ways or desires, it wouldn't be conflict. Now we have some simple ways, some easy ways we've resolved conflict. For example, If you're married and you have an electric blanket, I think they all come with dual controls now, right? (laughs) His and hers. And so I can have it colder on my side or warmer and vice versa for my wife. That's an easy conflict to resolve. We have a conflict in our house. I don't know how many guys you deal with this. But I cannot fold the towels in my house because I cannot fold them in a way that my wife is happy. I kind of double them over. She kind of triples them over or some other way and they have to look a certain way. So I do not fold towels in my house. It's just we've settled that. She just folds all the towels, and she's happy, and I'm happy. So there's some ways to resolve certain conflicts that are relatively simple. But when you get married, you kind of go into it with this idea that how can I get my needs met? This person is going to meet some needs I have, uh, companionship, whatever it might be, and vice versa. And so we go into it with these expectations. The problem is they're often unmet, un- unattainable expectations. So we can't uh, reach them. <clears throat> now, we're not really taught how to do this. I've never taken a class in conflict resolution. There might be some courses out there. They certainly don't teach it in school. And so how do we usually resolve conflict? We usually, our fallback is usually our parents' style. I mean... That's how they resolve conflict or didn't resolve conflict. So that's our role model and that's often where we go, at least initially, go. And uh, so I came up with a couple of styles. Uh, One is an Eskimo style where you just uh, freeze the other person out. You just stop talking to them. You stop relating to them. And eventually you hope they're going to give in. And that's a style that some people use. There's a cowboy style where you just kind of draw all your pistols and fire. You just attack each other. You, uh, uh, things fly. I remember my mom used to throw things. <laughs> uh, that was part of her style. Uh, Houdini style is to just escape. This was my dad's style. He would, for days on end, just disappear. We didn't know where he went. I was a kid, so I'm not sure what was going on there, but he would disappear for a few days and then, then came, always came back, but he would disappear. But you don't have to actually leave physically to, stop, to, to disappear. A lot of people disappear into drugs and alcohol and, and other activities, uh, so they're just hiding. Uh, Unfortunately, in our society, we have some that revert to combat style, which is actually violence, and especially against women, it's a horrible thing, and shouldn't happen, but that is a style that we see in some folks, but there's got to be a a better style, there's got to be a, what I would call a healthy style of conflict resolution, and hopefully that's what we're going to help you with this morning. So James says, okay. Problems within you. And then he adds this part here, kind of elaborating. You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm. Harm is in that violence category. Obviously, I think what I want is better than what the other person wants. So, my opinion, my view on this is better than your view. Obviously, or there wouldn't be conflict if I just accepted your view. So as we look through this part of James, we're gonna, I'm going to try, try and point out some steps to conflict resolution. So how to resolve conflict. First thing James talks about is ask for help, ask for help. We mentioned this last week. You, you, if you're sick, you go to a doctor for help. If you, your car's not working, you go to a mechanic for help, whatever it might be. So most areas of life, when we have issues, we go for help. So obviously in this area we should go too. And I mentioned last week, family is not the best place to go. They're biased. Uh, friends aren't the best way to go. We saw a video clip about that last week. So need to go to someone who is neutral. Someone that can see both sides and, and not favor one side over the other. But James is going to go step stepfather. He's not going to just talk about asking for help in the physical realm. He's going to talk about asking help in the spiritual realm. And so he says this, you don't have what you want, which means you don't have peace, you're having conflict, because you don't ask God for it. I don't know, sometimes that's the last place we go. It shouldn't be the last place we go. It should be the first place we go. Uh, if you're a Jesus follower, if not, uh, asking for, for other help is beneficial. But there's something called ventilating vertically that I would suggest to you, recommend to you. The Bible talks about this a lot. David is a good example. David, most people know about David and Goliath. And then he served the king, who is Saul. <clears throat> and he did the best to serve Saul. And, and most of you know the story. What did Saul do, want to do to David? He wanted to kill him. So if you're doing the best job you can to serve somebody, and they're trying to kill you, it doesn't quite sound fair, does it? And so David wrote some, some of the, the, what we call the Psalms. And in these Psalms, he's complaining about some of this stuff. Well, life's not fair. You know, the, the, the evil people are prospering, and I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to be a God follower, and, and my life's falling apart. Trumpet king's trying to kill me, et etc. Et so he's fussing, complaining, and I don't know if he's yelling, but at God. And some people might be offended by that, but I always say God can take it. He knows what you're thinking anyway, right? So, yeah, do that, because if we can ventilate vertically, it helps us to not ventilate horizontally on our, our, uh, another person or on our spouse. So let me ask you, does God want to help you resolve conflict? What do you think? Yeah, he wants to help you in all aspects of life. So God wants to help, and if you, if you ask him for help, then he's willing and able to help. Now, part of the problem is this. There are some problems in life that only God can solve. There's only some conflicts that only God can solve. Uh, we're going to talk about in a few minutes, this basic com- internal conflict we have that only God can solve. And one of the problems with marriage is we expect our spouse to meet all our needs. Can any person meet all your needs? Your spouse can't do that. Again, that's un- unmeetable expectations. But there's certain things that, that your spouse can't. They, they can't, if you're a lonely person, your spouse can't necess- necessarily solve that. Uh, if you can't find purpose and meaning in life, got, your spouse can't necessarily solve that. And many of you are single, so you, obviously you don't have a spouse to, to try and solve those needs that you might have. So when we have conflict, I think of it as a warning light. You know, those lights on your dash in your car that come on all of a sudden. You know. I don't know if you're like me, I don't know much about cars. I'm, it's a, in some category, and I don't understand even the categories. And so, I don't know what to do, and usually I take it to a mechanic, but I've actually taped tape over them before in the past, so I couldn't see it. Now, any mechanic would rec- tell you that's not a good idea, because it's warning you of a potential problem, right? And so, it's not a good idea to avoid that. So, for issues, conflict is an evidence that there's, there's something wrong and it needs to be addressed and it doesn't, doesn't do much good to try uh, and avoid it or ignore it. So ask for help. Ask for help vertically as well as horizontally. Then the uh, second thing we need to do is change our focus. And he, hit, James has already hinted at this. but he, he goes on and says it this way. And if you ask, okay, so I decide to ask. And I'm still not getting resolution. Well, what's the problem? Well, he tells us that you can ask, but still be a problem. You won't receive it, for you're asking with corrupt, or wrong, or bad, or selfish motives, seeking only to fill your selfish desires. So parents, think about your kids. If they're asking for something that's really selfish, are you going to give it to them? Are you not going to give it to them. In fact, one of the things you try and teach them is not to be selfish. My wife bought some cotton candy for (laughs) our granddaughter. Don't take your grandkids to the grocery store. Uh, she asked for cotton candy, couldn't find it. She bought her some other candy. Then she bought her some donuts and eventually found the chocolate, I mean, the, the, the uh, cotton candy. So she came home with all three. But uh, when she got the cotton candy, we said, we are going to share this with your siblings, right? And she agreed. And then we were at her house yesterday afternoon and uh, at first she was not sharing. <laughs> uh, so that was a problem. But she got over it and she started sharing her cotton candy with, uh, with other people, uh, with her siblings, We don't usually get angry unselfishly. I do not get angry with my wife. I am so mad with you. You're such a a wonderful wife. I am mad at you for loving me so well and taking care of me so well. We don't get unselfishly anger. We could, not often, especially in uh, personal relationships. Um, So anger is often a sign of selfishness. Now Jesus said an interesting thing. He was talking about, uh, why do you, Pick at somebody else's, that little speck they have in their eye, that little shortcoming they have, when you have this log in your own eye. He said, take care of your log. And maybe then you can help this other person with the speck in their eye. So that's a good (laughs) approach to uh, interpersonal relationship issues. Think about your log. Focus on your log, not on the other's speck. Did you ever say this in in, in conflict? You know what your problem is? How well does that usually work? Not very well. So how should we approach it? We should ask ourselves, what part of this is my problem? Even if it's like we talk about 10%, you. Okay, work on your 10%. Admit your 10%. It's probably much bigger than that. Most of us guys would say we... We married up and, you know, um, more than 50% is our issues. So I know we have this issue. We're having this conflict here. I I, I know I've been whatever. I've been selfish. I've neglected you. I've said some unkind things. Talk about you. Address your issues. Now, if you're competitive like I am, whatever you do, but especially in conflict, you want to win. Just the way I'm wired. Most of us are wired. The problem is, as we've said, in marriage, if you win, your spouse loses. And if your spouse loses, the relationship loses. So we want to try and have conflict where it's a win-win. So a good place to start is this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we've, we have had this conflict. I'm sorry for my part of this conflict, whatever that might be. As for forgiveness, please forgive me. Hopefully they do. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a, in a minute. And then say, what can I do to fix this? I'm sorry, please forgive me. What can I do to fix this? So we're going to try to summarize what James said in in something we can try and remember. So here's what I came up with this week. You can't change what's going on around you until you change what's going on inside of you. And isn't that what James said? It starts with that stuff that's going on inside of you. How to resolve conflict, ask for help, change your focus, and thirdly, become a Jesus follower. And if you're not, we're glad that you're here, we're delighted that you're here. These principles will be helpful to you. But the biggest problem we all have, or initially had, was the conflict with the Creator. This lack of peace, if you will, that we all have inside of us, that that the Bible and other people have described it this way, it's your conflict with God. You want to be God. Like all the way back to the Adam and Eve story, right? They wanted to be God. And so that causes conflict with the true God. So all of us are in conflict with God. We want to do what we want. And God says something else. And we don't want to do that. So we have this conflict. So James is going to talk about this pretty extensively here. So we'll cover this for a few minutes. He's talking about God. He said God continues to pour out more and more grace upon you. Now grace is getting what you don't deserve. So we all get stuff we don't deserve. And so he said, God's doing that for you. Then he's quoting from the Old Testament, summarizing the Old Testament. He says, God resists you when you are proud. So God pushes back against you when you want what you want as opposed to what he wants. When you think you know what's best. When you think you're always right. God doesn't like that. God pushes back against that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be On the other side of God, if your God's like my God, my God's all-powerful. So that's not a good place to be. So he resists the proud, but he continually pours out his grace, giving you what you don't deserve when you are humble. And then he rephrases it this way, so surrender to God. Quit fighting with God, surrender, give up to God. Now, this is the biggest conflict we all have. This is the first and foremost conflict that, that we all have. Now, the problem with this conflict is, I can't fix it. You can't fix it. There's no way I can resolve it. Fortunately, God fixes it for us if we're willing to accept it, if we're willing to cooperate with him. He... If we surrender, if we say, okay, God, I'm stopped fighting you, I'm stop resisting you, because consequently you're resisting me. If I'm going to accept that you're God and I'm not, um, if I accept that gift of salvation, your forgiveness, then something happens inside of us. We become different inside. We have a peace. The Bible says you can't even explain this peace. uh, Somebody doesn't understand it. You have this peace, this peace you even have even when things are falling apart around you. Because the 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 basic conflict you have is with God, and that's been solved. So the other conflicts are secondary to that. But as long as you have that, it makes your other relationships more difficult. So he explains a little bit more. This is pretty serious stuff. He says, move your heart closer and closer to God. So stop resisting, pushing back, and God will come even closer to you. But make sure. You cleanse your life, you sinners, and we don't like that word sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Sinner means you don't meet the standard, in this case, God's standard. But we don't meet our own standards. I have a standard of what I think a good husband is. I don't don't reach it. I I fall short of that. I have a standard of what a dad is, good dad is. I I, I fall short. Uh, What a good grandparent is, I fall short. What a good pastor is, I fall short. What a good... Jesus, I fall short of a lot of standards that I set for myself, much less God's standard. So we all fall short of God's standard. In that case, it separates us from God, and he uses the word sinner. He goes on. Feel the pain of your sin. Feel the pain of that separation. Don't try and run away from it, try and ignore it, say it doesn't exist. He says, feel the pain, lean into it, be sorrowful, weep. Let your joke around turn to mourning, your joy into deep humiliation, which means to be humble. And then he summarizes, verse, verse 10, I believe it is. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, we have misunderstandings about what humble is. One of the best things I've heard, a way I've heard it described is this. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's not saying, oh, I'm a ter- terrible person. Now, it's thinking less about yourself, saying so it's not about me. That's being humble. It's not always being right. It's admitting that you're wrong, which should be easy but isn't for us, is it? And it's a, 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 a dependence, and we don't like to be dependent, but we're all dependent, especially in this area of conflict, certainly with God. We can't fix it. Only God can fix it for us. So if you want to have the step up or, or the best foundation for dealing with conflict uh, horizontally, you need to deal with this ultimate conflict vertically with God. Which is the easiest one to solve because once you just humble yourself and accept it, God gives it to you. It's a free gift. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, a couple more and we'll be finished. How to resolve conflict. Establish Ground rules. Somebody's called this how to fight fair or argue fair or have conflict. I asked this as a question, but it's really not a question. We've all said, oh, we got conflict. Let's talk about it. And after we talked about it, it got worse, right? <laughs> so there's bad ways to talk about it. And obviously, good ways or better ways to talk about it. So, James addresses it this, this way. He says, don't speak evil, which is an interesting word, against each other, brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. What is God's law? Well, basically, God's law is love God, love me, and love each other. Now, we may push back against that, but do you want to live in a society with no laws? Anybody? No, we don't. That's how we have civil, uh, civilized society is because we have laws and they're enforced or most of the time they're enforced. So I thought I would read something Paul wrote to kind of elaborate on what, what uh, James is saying here. And This is in what he, something we call Ephesians. He says, never let ugly and hateful words come from your mouth. Ugh, we're all guilty there, right? But never do it. Stop doing it. James will say the tongue is the hardest thing to control. But instead, let your words become, and I love this phrase, beautiful gifts that encourage each other. Our words can be beautiful gifts. That's what they should be. They certainly aren't always, but that's what they should be. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. So, they don't deserve for me to be nice to them. Well, that's exactly what grace is. Giving people what they don't deserve. So then he does the negative and then the positive. Lay aside uh, bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. Yeah, got us all there, didn't he? But instead, let's not do that. Let's do this instead. Be kind, affectionate toward one another. And then he asks this really interesting, powerful, convicting question. Has God graciously forgiven you? ah, uh, yeah, yeah, he's done that. Didn't deserve it. He forgave me, continues to forgive me. So that's the case. Then gracefully forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. One other place he says, it's the least you can do. So I put some, I put them, what would I call them? Seven rules of engagement. Someone said, fighting me Fair this is the right way to do it as opposed to the wrong way to do it. So after your conversation, things have gotten better, not worse. First, to be positive. So whatever the conflict is, with my spouse, I'm saying, I know we had this issue. You're a great wife. You're a loving person. You know, I'm a better person because of you. Even though we have this conflict. So start by being positive. Secondly, be specific. I mentioned this last week. Don't use those always in, and never phrases. Now, we use those because we think they're going to strengthen our argument. You never pick up your socks off the floor. Now, when you hear that, what do you think? Uh, I, I, I remember three weeks ago, I picked them up once. That's where you go. It's not a stronger argument. It's a weaker argument. It's not helpful. So, be uh, uh, specific. Don't use generalities. Uh, be current. And this guy went to work and was telling his buddies, my wife got historical last night. And they said, you mean hysterical, right? He said, no, historical. She brought up stuff I'd done 10 years ago. (laughs) You know, (laughs) be current. So my wife and I have this rule. If one of us starts to bring up something from the past, the other one stops and we say, yep, we stop. We we, we don't go there. Uh, Be attentive. Uh, One thing we've been taught is to paraphrase back what the person has said to you. I heard you say this. Is that what you said? Or is that what you meant to say? And let them say to you uh, what they meant or what they meant to say. Uh, be courteous. That means don't interrupt. I don't know if you're like me, I want to get, you know, I got a rebuttal to what you're saying. And I want to get it out as soon as possible. And I don't want to forget it because it's a good support for my argument. Uh, so be courteous. Don't interrupt. Uh, Be considerate. Uh, I don't know about you folks. I like Charlie Brown, cartoon, uh, comic. And Lucy, Lucy says, if I can't be right, I'm going to be wrong as loud as I can. And that's what we do sometimes. We try and get, if our argument is bad, we just get louder. Well, that's not being considerate. Best way to address it is this. Attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. And then just be honest. Admit your part, and we addressed that a little bit earlier. Then, lastly, uh, to resolve conflict, go and make peace. Go and make peace. Does, does conflict uh, get resolved automatically, accidentally? No, you've got to go and actually put into practice some of these things. And don't go making excuses. My wife sometimes makes excuses for me, says, oh, you must have a headache. Well, no. Even if I do, it doesn't, it's not a reason to be nasty or unkind. A couple of things that are really important is timing. Uh, sometimes you need to step away for an hour or so. This is not being productive, that's what we say. This is not being productive. Let's, let's, let's revisit this in an hour, an hour or two. If it's when we're going to bed at night, Uh, We used to say, we got to fix this before we go to sleep. No, no, you don't have to fix it before you go to sleep. Uh, For me especially, I'm not a night person. I'm not functioning well. My brain's not working good (laughs) at that time. We say, okay, we'll just, we'll pick this up tomorrow morning. And we're fine with that. That works for us. Place is also important. And one thing I would tell you to avoid is uh, those of you who are married, your bed is probably not the best place to argue. Uh, That should be for good things, positive things. So pick a place. Actually, in public, it's probably not a good place to do it also. And one other thing here. Healing takes time. And I've shared this concept with you, most of you folks before. I struggle forgiving my wife when she would ask me because my emotions weren't there. So I've come to a place now, especially with what Paul and, and James said, God's forgiven me, I'm going to forgive anybody, anything, even before they ask. But certainly when they do ask. So, I forgive them. The problem is my emotions aren't there. And that's okay. That's normal. That's natural. So, I forgive you, but hey, you know, I'm not liking you. As we talked about, I don't like you right now. And I'm going to need some time for healing. And that is natural. That's normal. That's good. So, you can't change what's going on around you until. You change what's going on inside you. Focus on the inside. So I'm going to challenge you to do at least one of these three commitments this morning. If you're not a Jesus follower, we invite you every week. And we encourage you to do this. To resolve that internal conflict that's affecting all your other relationships. By ex- admitting to God, surrendering to God, accepting his love and grace for you. Forgive you for your sins. Accept you just the way you are. You don't have to change anything first. Uh, and just say yes. And if, if you want to do that or would like to do that, we'd love to talk to you. Secondly, make a commitment to change your attitude. A lot of it's attitude, isn't it? So okay, I'm going to approach this, any conflict with my spouse or anyone, with a positive attitude, seeking to resolve the conflict, not, not necessarily to win, to make it a win-win situation. And third one is a biggie for all of us, is make a commitment to be encouraging Our words to be gifts. And again, James said that's the hardest thing to do. That's the thing we really need to work on. So conflict. We're going to have it. It doesn't have to be bad. In fact, it can draw us closer to God and closer to each other. So let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We don't thank you for conflict, but we know we're going to have conflict. Um, I thank you so much for the fact that the conflict I had with you, God, many years ago has been resolved through Jesus. I've accepted that gift. Uh, but conflict's still difficult. Uh, so I, I want to commit my, my attitude and my words uh, to being encouraging and positive. And I pray for these other folks here. that They would take this seriously. Uh, James, James, James talked about it really seriously, that we should weep about these issues and we should take them seriously and we should think about our part in this conflict. And God, I thank you so much for that peace that truly does surpass my understanding. Uh, That's one of the reasons I'm such a a Jesus follower because this transformation has taken place in my life. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.